John, the Viking Mauser here with the Get Stronger Die podcast. Today, my guest is Paul Mauser. Uh, we will be doing our part two of the Arnold recap. hi <clears throat> So we missed a few... Uh, a few of the events, a few of the, the spectacles, if you will, at the Arnold. We missed covering those from the last uh, episode. We're going to go over those again today. As usual, I'm going to change the direction of what we're doing here, John. We're not going to jump right into this Arnold stuff. There's too much other things to talk about. And we're going to kick this episode off the way I want to kick it off. And that's talking about nipples. Because you and I, off the air had a discussion. You posed a question to me that I do not have an answer to, and I want our listeners to help us answer this question. Why are there so many pierced nipples on men in Strongman? Don't you think that's a hazard? I mean, how many implements have to roll up the chest? We're talking about carrying Husafels, carrying Mauser blocks, cough, cough, cheap plug, rolling logs up your chest. Good Lord, don't get me started on an axle. I mean, that put that puts the nips in danger, man. Why so many pierced nips in Strongman? Well, you're, I mean, this was my question. Uh, you know, I'm not sure what the answer is. But uh, just sitting here thinking, um, it, it, it is possible that perhaps these Strongmen are conditioning their nipples. They're strengthening their nipples. They're possibly hanging weights or attaching bands to their nipple rings and stressing the nipple to a point to where it is now strong enough to handle massive amounts of weights like a Husafel stone or an axle or a log. I mean, this, this all seems like it could be entirely possible. So you're, you're saying that these nip, these areola piercings here could be, could be performance enhancing. There, this, this could be the next wave of performance enhancers. Uh, if you bear with me here, if you strengthen your nipple enough, and you could put a large enough ring into the nipple, uh, it may be able to catch some traction or some friction, um, much like a grip shirt. And you know how important and necessary those are um, to, you know, you could hold a Husafel stone. I mean, can you imagine if a log slipped and came down and your nipples caught it and you could just take it right back up? We could see the first ever hands-free log clean if someone had strong enough nipples. Yes, I, I mean, I think it was uh, maybe uh, maybe Johnny Perry might have been the first one I saw, uh, if I recall correctly, sporting the pierced nips. Travis Ortmeyer had the pierced nips. I mean, I think maybe those maybe those guys were pioneers. Just just by dropping those names, um, I think this coming weekend I'm going to get my nipples pierced. I, I, I think so too because uh, I, I've I've got a long way to go to be half as strong as either of those uh, uh, gentlemen. Uh, Johnny Perry, God rest his soul, and of course Travis Wartmeyer on the big comeback trail now. Um, maybe you know, maybe we get the piercing, and all of a sudden hit a bunch of PRs. I, and I'm already thinking ahead. Uh, what if what if I get some, um, you know, some earth magnet piercings? You know, in that way that people use the metal logs and the metal Husafel stones. Maybe I'll just magnetize to the uh, to the object, the implement. And, um, you know, if I can get a few extra feet out of that. I mean. I'm, I'm sort of concerned about what would happen when you tried to put said implements down. Um, but, it, yeah, it might help you get that extra foot or two. 
Listen, if it's if it's for a pro card, I'll lose a nipple. <laughs> like we we could put that that is that's that's in stone. That is that is fact. If if I could go right now and win a show for my pro card, but it would cost me a nipple, I'm all in. All right, new poll, new poll up now on the Get Strong or Die Facebook page. Uh, new poll: Would you sacrifice a nipple to get your pro card? So make make sure you go vote on that uh, on the Get Strong or Die Facebook page. Um, now you'll need you'll need permission to um, be a part of that group. It's a private group right now, but you can find it. It's not a secret group. It's just private. So send us an approval uh, or a, a request, and I'll approve it, and you can vote on whether or not you're willing to sacrifice a nipple for your pro card. Important knowledge. It's it's stuff that we got to know. So. Um, yeah, we, we kicked off this episode with a lot about nipples. Um, I think it's time to uh, to put those nipples to bed and move on to the next topic here. I think that was good. I think we can wrap it up, actually. that That is it for this episode of Get Strong or Die, the nipple episode. <laughs> yeah, we're at five minutes and 17 seconds. I'd say at least five minutes of that was nipple talk. Yes. <clears throat> yep it it it, is, it has been uh, it has been an interesting argument about areolas. <laughs> All right, so um, back to the Arnold. The the what? <laughs> the Arnold's. <laughs> back to the Arnold's. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. There was there was some lifting stuff too, wasn't there? Yeah, we gotta we gotta talk about some lifting stuff. Jessica Fithin, Arnold's. <laughs> Jessica, former uh, guest on the podcast, we got to have her back sometime. I'm sure. I'm sure people want to hear her blab on a lot more than they want to hear me blab on. But we're going to talk instead of talking to Jessica today. We're going to talk about Jessica because she was involved in the Arnold Pro Strong Woman World Championship, which uh, is a fantastic contest. Uh, I've kind of got a lot to say about this. Um, Fantastic contest, tremendous lineup. Before we get into the events and stuff, let, let me lay this out. So, John, you may or may not know um, the qualification process for this, okay? So, all the ladies have to do other pro shows in order to qualify for the Arnold. Uh, the main one of those is being the, the strongest woman in the world contest, which was held in Norway. The other thing people don't know uh, necessarily always about the Arnold is... There are lightweight pros up there and middleweight pros up there too with the heavyweight pros. And they're all doing the same event weights and they're all competing against each other. So uh, a, a, a couple of lightweight pros and a couple of middle, middleweight pros um, are selected every year or, or they qualify. They're not, they're not selected, uh, so to speak. They qualify by you know, winning their division or whatever at these other various competitions in order to be on that stage. Once they go to the Arnold, once they go to the Arnold Pro, there are no divisions. Yeah, they go by Wilkes, right? They use a Wilkes. <laughs> it's a Wilkes, isn't it? It's a Wilkes. It is a it is a Wilkes. It it was it, it's a Wilkes and therefore Laura Anderson uh won by seven hundred points. <laughs> so um <laughs> but but much love to Laura. She's awesome. Um, but yeah, that, that's why, that's why we have, we have lightweights, middleweights, and, and then the majority, the majority of the roster are, are the, the heavyweight women. 
but there are a couple of lightweights mm-hmm. every year. There are a couple of middleweights up there, but it's not separated in the competition. They all compete together. It's all one. They're all scored together. There, there, there's no divisions or whatever, but they can, the lightweights and the middleweights can earn their place there. Um, but they, they know going into it, hey, we got to do the same event weights that the heavyweights do. And for me, there's, there's some pros and some cons to that. So the, you know, the, the cons to that are you may have some heavyweight women who don't make the cut who you feel like could do pretty well up there. Um, because there's a limited number of, of, of entries that they accept, right? They're only going to take, I think, 11 women. I think they take 11 so that if one drops out, they still have 10 mm-hmm. or whatever. So you, you, you've, got, uh, you know, you've got 11 or 12 maybe that uh, are allowed to qualify. So that, that, mean, you know, that means some folks might get left out. Um, Kristen Rhodes is a glaring example. Uh, she did not do the, uh, any of the qualifier shows, which was Strongest Woman in the World or the Arnold Spain, I believe, the Arnold Europe or whatever it was. Um, she didn't do those shows. So Kristen Rhodes wasn't on the roster. Uh, that's a, you know, that is a glaring omission. Because it's Kristen fucking Rhodes. Um, what is her Wilkes score? <laughs> <laughs> Something tells me that Kristen Rhodes has never worried about a Wilkes in her life. <laughs> she simply worries, worries about smashing world records and winning world titles. But uh, so, so that's you know that's that's the argument against that system. The arguments for that system is that having the smaller competitors able to compete with the larger competitors and be all on all on the same uh all on the same stage all doing the same weights etc that creates some pretty special moments and that that continues to have to give us a reason to have lightweight and middleweight pros um because it's not feasible at this point uh with the arnold to to create all these different divisions and and whatever so having them all together, you have moments like we saw at the Arnold where some of the smaller competitors put on absolutely phenomenal performances and you get those moments where people's jaw hits the floor when one of these ladies who might be, you know, a lightweight, like I mentioned Laura Anderson, you know, maybe she, she's a 140 pounds or whatever she might be. And all of a sudden, she does really well on an event, even maybe even maybe beating some of the heavyweights. And it's like, holy shit, that's amazing. And people kind of get into that stuff, man. You've seen it. You've seen it at a contest. You remember Strongest Man in the Forest, the first ever edition. Who was the biggest star of that show? Well, I was. The people just didn't know it yet. But uh, they, were cheering <laughs> a, they were cheering a lot for Jared Van Meter. <laughs> Yeah, they were cheering for Jared, and Jared, Jared was 135 pounds at that show. He was the lightest guy there by 50 pounds. Jimmy, and maybe K- the lightest guy that's ever done it. Yeah, probably the lightest competitor that to this day that's ever done it. He was the lightest dude by 50 pounds. There were no weight classes, and for five years after that, the locals, because we we actually have spectators for that show, the locals come out to watch it. The locals for five years after that would come up to me. And, and say, they would say, do you remember that guy's Wilkes score? <laughs> Damn it, John, get off the Wilkes. We don't give a shit about the Wilkes. But no, they would ask, they'd say, hey, hey, is that, is that little guy coming back? Hey, is that little guy going to compete? 
Hey, man, whatever happened to the little guy? Oh, my gosh, he was so awesome. I can't believe he picked up them stones. I can't believe he flipped that tire like them big guys did. Oh, man, that guy had balls of steel getting out there with them big 300-pound dudes and blah, blah, blah. I heard it every year for a handful of years after that. People did not forget that. And so you get those really special moments, and I think that's something we could see on the men's side. I know there's been a big stink um, lately. Our our buddy Terry Rady, who was also a former guest on the show, uh, you know, he 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 sort of protested uh, the Arnold this year because he feels like the uh, the the two thirty one uh, the middleweight men's pros aren't getting opportunities. And talking to Anthony Furman and some of the other guys. Why is there not one spot, one spot that the best middleweight pro in the world on the men's side could win to get on stage at the Arnold, at the at the Arnold Pro? <clears throat> well, you, no. you can't you can't tell me that there that you couldn't give one spot to a guy who who went you know get, make a contest for it, make it a, a a 105 kilo world championship or whatever. All right, make a contest for it. The guy that wins that gets to go on stage and battle with Half Thor and battle with Shaw and battle with Martins and all those guys. Once you're not going to take a spot away from anybody, just add one spot for that guy, and all of a sudden you get that same magic. Imagine, imagine if you would, a guy like Anthony Furman, Mr. Charisma, gets up there, and all of a sudden he beats a guy like Kieliskowski on an event, or he beats you know a guy like Dimitar on an event. That's going to create some fucking magic, man. I think there's something to that. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people hate the idea. I don't know. But for my money, I think that creates some really special fucking moments. Well, I think a big, uh, a great example of that's um, Zach, Zach Hage, or one of the Hage brothers, yeah. uh, got a chance to be on the, the stage and go against heavyweights. Um, I don't remember if that was, uh, if he was going against the, the pros. I can't remember, but... He was on. He was on stage with the heavyweights competing against them, and the crowd was going nuts. He was definitely um, the crowd favorite, and the announcer at the time—I uh, don't remember who it was—was was like edging it on and building it up, and like, "Hey, this guy's like the lightest guy here by like a hundred pounds." And and uh, I just—I remember that moment from the Arnold, and I, you know, I've been there and to enough competitions. I usually just forget all of it, but I, I do remember that moment. So. Uh, there's something to be said for that, and I think that that also helped put um, the Hage brothers uh, in the limelight. If if you look at their social media stuff now, um, they have a big following, and um, they train um, Ashley something. I can't. I'm, I'm, her name's avoiding me, but she's a a really strong lightweight competitor. I think she might be a pro now, and I think it just really helped them out. Muncie? Uh No, I can't remember. It's I think it's like Sarah or. Like Ashley Sarah or something like that. I'll look it up and. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, okay. Um, we'll see. But John does. Don, John doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. But that's okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it it, it helped them, them out with with training, getting them on the map and stuff. And they've been doing some stuff uh, as far as training and seminars and stuff go. And I think that was the big moment that helped kind of push that along. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, okay. That's one point. That's one point. So, so we laid the groundwork. Okay, how you qualify? Why there's lightweights and middleweights and heavyweights up there? Um, the events. So we had we had an axle clean once and press away, two hundred and twenty pounds. We had a frame carry uh, for for a set course. Um, so fastest time wins, 
540 pounds. Pretty cool looking frame too, you know, made a, an actual lumber frame. Um, Husafel carry max distance. Um, the infamous blob deadlift. Yes, the Ukrainian style deadlift. Yep. Yeah. And then the stone to shoulder for reps. One of my one of my very favorite uh, events. I I love a stone to shoulder event. It's one of my favorite Atlas stone variations. Maybe my very favorite uh, version of an of an Atlas stone type event. So what we notice here, those are not the same events as the men. Now the stone to shoulder is pretty close. It's an Atlas stone versus a natural stone. Yada yada. So that's that's you know pretty much the same event there, but not the same events as the men. Um, you know, I've, I've heard people say the ladies should have the same events as the men. I think it just makes, it makes sense. It just makes sense. I don't know why they're different. You have to haul more equipment out. Uh, you know, if it just makes more sense to do the same, I think. And, and I think it makes it, um, seem like, uh, they're not two separate things. It's more important, I think, to get, to get it together and, Kind of do it that way. I'm not sure what the thinking is to separate that. I've never really understood that. You know, I'm not sure. I and this is something I, I have not talked to uh, Dion or Pat about this necessarily. But so Strongman Corporation is over the women's pro side. Okay, Strongman Corporation made that happen. All right, that's that's their contest. Um, the men's pro event at the Arnold. Uh, Dion's on a board, you know, she's on a, a board of directors or something of that nature for that, but it's not her contest. Right. She has a, she has a limited input on that. Okay. On the women's side, Strongman Corporation's kind of in charge of that. Okay. Um, which is cool because, you know, they're the, they're the ones that have, that have built the women's pro division and blah, 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 and all that kind of good stuff. So it's cool. It's cool that they were able to, uh, create that and have control of it. I am of the opinion that the ladies should have the same events as the men. I'm with you on this one. I feel like it. I feel like it would uh, help put the ladies on equal ground in the in the eye of public perception, and plus that it would let them do some really cool stuff. For example, the Wheel of Pain. Okay, the most buzzed about strongman event maybe ever. Okay, there was so much buzz on that going into it. Rogue built this enormous fucking apparatus. Uh, I've heard anywhere between fifty and a hundred thousand dollars is what they spent to build it. Um, it weighs twenty thousand pounds. They had uh, chainsaw artists like call carve the sculptures and shit. And, you know, all the faces that were on it. All this. It's an incredible thing. It was a hell of a visual, right? <clears throat> How hard would it have been to let the women do the wheel of pain? first then add some because the the resistance was added by sand in those barrels those snails right. or whatever right all they would have had to do is okay after the women go now we're going to add another fucking 50 or 100 pounds of, right. of sand to each each barrel so that it's calibrated <laughs> properly for the men it could it wouldn't have been that hard there's no there's no way it would have been that difficult As a matter of fact it probably they probably could have done it in 10 or 15 minutes and then the men could have, you know, could have done theirs an hour later or the next day or whatever. But I think it's, you know, it, it's almost it's almost a kick in the crotch that that they have this enormous implement there 
this $100,000 implement, you know, that was created over the course of fucking six months or whatever, and the most, you know, the most ridiculous thing ever built for strongman, and the pro-women don't get to touch it. You yep. know, and, and, I, and I'm not going to say, you know, that I'm, I can't say that's Strongman Corporation's fault. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if they asked for that. I don't know if the Arnold said, hey, no, we can't do that. We, we don't, we want it for the men only, whatever. It seems to me like it'd probably be Rogue's call, but that's a speculation. I'd like to see the women do the same events. Yeah, I think something that um, we're overlooking there, too, is if, if the men and women do the same events, then we can compare the Wilkes score and decide who's actually the strongest. Every time you bring up the Wilkes score, I am mentally putting a token in a jar. At the end of this podcast, I will cash in the tokens in that jar, and each token will represent a kick squarely in your taint. <laughs> well, okay, then. We'll just, we'll be bring, we won't be bringing up the Wilkes score anymore. Token. <laughs> It'll be the Sinclair. <laughs> Two tokens. <laughs> the IPF uh, actually abandoned the Wilkes score now and created their own, uh, their IPF score, which they feel is more updated and accurate now and more evenly distributed across the board. So they, they actually updated that formula. So for USA Powerlifting and IPF competition, the word Wilkes is actually no longer even um, usable. Hmm. It's no longer valid. That's exciting. Yeah. It's not exciting at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, okay, kudos, kudos to them for, uh, you know, trying to get with the times and update things and make, and, and actually do a bunch of research and try to make it uh, whatever. But, you know, at the end of the day, Ray Williams is the man and everybody knows it. <laughs> Anyway, hey, let's talk about what the ladies, instead of talking about what the ladies should be able to do, let's talk about what they did do. So this uh, Axel, 220 pounds, um, you know, even a handful of years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, a 220 Axel for reps would be pretty ridiculous, you know, we, uh, for in, any women's division. And and now we saw... Uh, Quite a few ladies hit some pretty serious reps on that. So, clean once, press away. What do you, what do you think about that as an event? And, and what do you think about the fact that uh, our pro ladies are tossing around 220 like it's a piece of cake now? Now, of course, everybody knows my opinion doesn't matter in strongman because I like all the weird stuff. But I think I'm a huge fan of the axle press. I think it's... Um, <clears throat> I like the axle press as an event better than the log. Really? So this is um, uh, this is exciting. I like to see it, and, and it was gone for a very long time. You didn't. The axle was like, you know, in like amateur stuff around the country, you'd see it pop up here and there, but it wasn't in the limelight for a long time. Like people were not doing axle press, and um, now we've seen it the last um, two years spring up in a lot of big shows, which is pretty cool. Yeah, uh, it, it was funny because Axel was in like every fucking amateur contest imaginable, and, st and still is. It's, it's it's probably one of the most common events you can find. But in the pro ranks, there was a long period of time um, where there were no Max Axel events, and 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 often even not even uh, necessarily Axel for ref, but certainly not Max. Um, that's that's changed recently. 
clean once and press away versus clean every rep. I'm a clean every rep kind of guy, especially on an axle because I feel like I feel like getting that thing to your chest is such a huge part of the challenge. Um, I like, uh, you know, I, I, I like the clean. And that's what was traditionally done on the men's side. On the men's side, when they did the Apollon's wheels, it was always clean every rep. So, I've, you know, I, I've, I feel like if we're going to do uh, Axel at the Arnold, maybe, maybe sticking with that tradition and cleaning every rep would be really cool. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being a picky shit here. <clears throat> yeah, I think, um, well, you're going to run into a lot of uh, opposition to that because of bicep tears. And every time they clean it, there's people are going to cry about the risk of that. But uh, <clears throat> I, I don't mind cleaning every rep. I think that's fine. Um, the only time that I think that's a problem is when, you know, they make something too light. If you have to clean the thing 15 times, I think that's, there's an issue there, yeah. but, uh, they usually don't do that in the pro men's stuff. Anyway, that doesn't become a problem there. Uh, that's more of a, of a amateur thing. Here's another one. And I, I've talked to some of the ladies about this too. Um, I realize that they're on time constraints and whatnot at the Arnold, but can we please get some fucking maxes for world records back at the Arnold for the ladies? We had the log. Uh, I think it was what wasn't it last year? Mm-hmm. We we had the we so. had the log for a max, and and Kristen hit the big two sixty five. And um, I mean, what what better stage? What better stage to set some world fucking records than at the Arnold, right? Give give these. I'm I'm gonna call it right here on the podcast. I will gladly. I will happily. I will I will I will drop to a knee and beg. Let's let these ladies do a Max Melzer block press at the fucking Arnold. World records, baby. Jessica Fithin already has a world record. Put let's let let's get Jessica up there with 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 the rest of these ladies and see who walks out with the world record. I'll provide the equipment. I don't give a shit. I'm gonna be there anyway. Yeah, and uh, I think too it's a shame they don't do world records. <clears throat> and um, if they're talking about time constraints, you and I both know it, it's not ideal, but you can have a world record without it being a max event. You could do a medley, and maybe the last item is above the world record, or you could do like a a progressive lift where it's you know that would be tough to do with like a, a Mauser block, but you know if it's a deadlift or something. You could rep and load and, and maybe end with a world record. There's certain, there's ways to to get the world record in there without um, it being a max. It's not ideal, but it could be done. Oh, man. Now, now you've got my brain going here because I'm thinking about how sweet it would be to have a four or five block series with the last block being in excess of the current world record. <clears throat> yeah, and how easy would that be to pull off? I mean, that wouldn't be um, a difficult task and... Uh, and you'd have the chance for a world record to be set. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, so it doesn't have to be a max event. I think a lot of the time uh, it's not a lack of time. It's a lack of creativity. So anyway, Axel overhead press, uh, tremendous event. What did we have next? That was, um, that one I did not get to commentate. I got to commentate pretty much all the pro ladies events except for that one because it went on at the same time. As the uh, as some of the amateur events, which I was booked up with. But Can we talk th- about that for a minute? I realize there's a lot of strongman stuff going on, <clears throat> but why are they running events at the same time? The Arnold is uh, three, four days long, like 
why can't the people from Moss Wrestling USA, the people from Grip Sport, the people, the people that mingle, you know, why can they not get this schedule set up better? I think there's so many moving parts that you know how it is, man. Remember group uh, projects in school? Remember what a clusterfuck those were? Well, I mean, that's the same way in the real world. You get a bunch of people together and try to coordinate something, and unless unless you have one person who takes over as a dictator and says, okay, this is what's going to happen, then nothing gets done. So I think it's hard when you get a bunch of people in the room together and nobody nobody wants to feel like their event is less important than anybody else's. Oh, I can come out and point that stuff out. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I have no problem doing that if they need that guy in the room. <laughs> but I but I agree. It it, it really stinks because there were points, there were points where the pro men had their stuff going on at the same time as the pro women. Right. Like uh, I believe, as a matter of fact, I believe it was the Wheel of Pain. The Wheel of Pain for the pro men, which everybody wanted to see because it's the fucking Wheel of Pain. Um, the entire expo fucking flo- flooded over there was going on at the same time as one of the pro women's events. Uh, I think the, uh, I think it was the blob deadlift like that. That That's not cool. That's not, that's not fucking cool. Like how, how are we supposed to, how are we supposed to draw, which I mean, we did still have a crowd. Believe me, that, that crowd was fucking hot for the pro women. I appreciate everybody who was in that crowd and was getting loud and rowdy. It was fucking awesome. But it's awful hard for us to draw a crowd for a fucking blob deadlift for the pro women when we're running head to head against the fucking wheel of pain. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and especially for the obscure sports, right? Like, you know, the pro women and pro men can kind of go head to head and get it still get a good crowd. But if Moss Wrestling is going against the pro men, you, you don't have a crowd. Yeah. I mean, it's just such an obscure obscure thing that you're, you're barely getting a crowd if it was by itself, let alone with all this other stuff going on. Um, so I think it's a shame that they had to go head to head with any of the other stuff. It would be cool if they could take that to the side and do it separately and people would check it out. Um, it, it also, like I said, there's a lot of carryover, right? There's probably people that would sign up for multiple events if they weren't going on at the same time. I know I would. You go. You can guarantee if I ever qualified for the Arnold that I'd probably do that in Moss Wrestling if it was at all possible to pull it off in the same day. Oh yeah, and and the the indoor Highland Games Championships. That's something to consider. Yeah. I mean, yeah. There's a lot of st- a lot of stuff that could be done, and people like you and Sarah Ott and some of the others would you know certainly try to do multiple uh, events. Do the grip. Do the Moss. Do the strongman. Blah blah blah. Yeah, I just think that's, uh, you know, and it wouldn't be so bad if it was just a few, but it seemed like they were all going at the same time, you know, pretty uh, routinely. So Yeah, so some of that's going to happen, but I've got I've to believe that there could be some more careful consideration on, on that scheduling. But, uh, again, it's, e- it's easy to armchair quarterback that because we're not in the room when these conversations happen. Who knows, you know. When when you have a bunch of people together again in a group trying trying to make decisions and trying to come up with shit, it's usually going to be a total shit show unless there's one person that can step up and take charge and be like, okay, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're you're doing this. 
Mosses at 9 a.m., Strongman's at 10 a.m., Strong Woman's at 11 a.m., blah, blah, blah. Okay, everybody shut up and go home. And I think it's easy to select that one person. I mean, that's why we have a Wilkes score. That is another token. Your taint is going to be annihilated from my boots. You, you, you better stick your head between your legs and kiss your taint goodbye. I'm going to go ahead and say that Dion would be in charge because she's going to have the highest Wilkes score. I think Dion's going to be in charge because she can give you that look. <laughs> and when Dion gives gives somebody that look, I mean, she she can shut you down, man. She's got them eyes. She's got them eyes. She'll, she, yeah, I, I've I have seen I have seen her angry before. I saw her angry at nationals a couple years ago when uh, we had we had some dude in the warm up area that was like snapping pictures of the female competitors while they're like trying to stretch out and stuff. And it was like they were getting uncomfortable with it because he was getting creepy with it. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're they're doing like, uh, you know, leg stretches and stuff. And he's like taking some pretty uh, questionable angle, you know, taking pics from questionable angles and stuff. Well, anyway, this guy, I, somebody alerted me to this. I let Dion know about it and I instantly saw the look. I saw the look on her face (laughs) and I, I was a little scared myself. And, uh, because I, I knew that look meant business. So I think if she gave, if she, everybody was in the room and she gave them all the look and gave them the, gave them the eye, she could probably shut them all down and take charge of the room. Now, do you think that, um, that the look comes from the Wilkes score or if the Wilkes score comes because of the look? Maybe a little bit of both. Maybe a little <laughs> bit of both. She gives, she gives that look to the barbell and it just moves. <laughs> So uh, okay, so we've talked we've talked about nipples and taints already on this episode. Is this our sauciest episode ever? This is it. This is our sexiest episode. It's it's getting steamy in here, <laughs> my lord. So <laughs> so the blob deadlift. Wait, we can't skip to the blob deadlift. We haven't even talked about the damn frame carry. So Pat Pat Rogers built this phenomenal frame, this big wooden lumber thing and again this is a classic Arnold event because the men the men did that giant frame walk up the ramp for years I don't know yeah. how many times they featured that right yeah well the women finally got their own giant super cool looking wooden frame it was 540 fucking pounds it was heavy as all shit and uh, it was a set distance there there wasn't like a ramp for this or whatever but it was still a super cool frame carry right mm-hmm. and I like that I like that because it looks like it's as heavy as it looks. Mm-hmm. Like it is a heavy looking big ass piece of thing. And and especially when you know you, you see these women, you know the you know maybe the um, amongst the biggest, you know, you're talking about um you know your heavyweight competitors like uh Donna Moore and Brooke Souza and Jessica. Like they get inside of that frame and that frame still looks huge. Like it still looks like a massive thing, even with even with the biggest competitors in there. So that's when you know you have a cool looking strongman implement is when the biggest competitors are lifting it and it still looks gigantic. So that was pretty cool. A uh, lot of lot of gutsy performances on that. Uh, our lightweight ladies did did super well with that. Middleweight ladies, um, you know, just to be able to pick that up five forty, it was a low pick. I think. It, I think it was about a fourteen, about a fourteen inch pick. That's a pretty low pick for a frame. 
pretty low pick for a frame. And so what some of the uh, what some of the lighter weight ladies did was to use an offset grip. They were allowed to use straps on this one, but they used an offset grip so that they could pick up one side of it before the other. That way they can manage the pick without just doing a, a, a straight up deadlift at 540 pounds before they have to take off. So they, they pick up the front end the front end first and then kind of lever the back end up and then carry it where it's sticking up more in the front down the course. And it was uh, you know pretty pretty impressive to see overall. Um, Donna Moore had an incident on this event. Uh, I, I was I was manning the commands, so I was doing the uh, judges ready, athletes ready, and then hitting the buzzer, which <laughs> that, that damn whistle that I had was freaking deafening everybody in the building. But uh, so Pat, Pat would be right there by the athlete, okay? He'd, he'd be right there by him while they're getting strapped in, and he would he would ask him, are you, you know, are you ready? And when they gave him an indication that they're ready, then he'd give me the signal so that I could say, okay, judge is ready, athlete ready, and then and then hit the whistle, right? Well, some sort of miscommunication happened with Donna. Pat gives me the signal, okay? And I start my spiel. Judge is ready, athlete's ready. And about the time I'm ready to hit the buzzer, I notice Donna is still adjusting her straps. But I've already started. I've already started the countdown. I hit the whistle because I got the signal from Pat that said she was ready to go. So she takes another second to, after the whistle to finish adjusting her straps and then takes off. And she is once she finishes the course and sets it down, she is not happy at all. So apparently, one of two things happened here. Either she told Pat she was ready and then changed her mind, at which point he had already given me the signal and I had already started. Or Pat misinterpreted what she, her response when he asked her if she was good to go. So what, something happened, some sort of miscommunication happened there anyway. But because there was a mis, because there was a clear case of miscommunication, kudos to Strongman Corp, kudos to Pat, he gave her another shot. She was able to go off and rest, and and and, and had you know x amount of time to chill, uh, while while the other competitors finished up, and they let her come back out and do it again, which I thought was I thought was the right thing to do in that scenario, because there was some sort of mis- miscommunication somewhere, and you know it, it doesn't matter whose fault it was. There was a miscommunication, whatever, um, shit happened, and you know I think I you know. At a world championships, at the pro level, you, you've only got 10 or 11 ladies to worry about. You know, make sure everybody gets a fair shake. Was her second run better than the first, or do you know? Or? I don't know what the time on the first one was, but I'm sure the second one was better because she didn't waste that She didn't waste that full, you know, one or two seconds at the beginning finishing her straps. It, it, the second one had to be faster because she didn't have that dead time at the beginning. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> she she ended up second or third on that. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Anything ever anything like that ever happened to you at a contest? <laughs> nope. You uh <laughs> you sure about that? You never never had a never had a snafu at a at a competition? 
Maybe on a deadlifting event or a grip event. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it happens sometimes. Why, why is your face turning red? Because <laughs> uh, this snafu, as you called it, um, <laughs> greatly affected my Wilkes score. <laughs> uh, the Wilkes was not strong with you that day. <laughs> We're just gonna move on. We're just moving on. Yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> just, just, just gonna, just gonna go ahead and not talk about any uh, snafus over your illustrious career. No, uh, no, no missed commands or, uh, you know, misconstruations of rules or anything of that nature. Well, there may have been a silver bullet gripper event. What are we talking about? Werewolves? Well. This, the werewolf would have killed us that day. Because <laughs> my silver bullet was a two-time dud. <laughs> All right, fine. We're doing the silver bullet event at the grip event. There's some grip thing here and uh, we're in our, un, our undisclosed location. And uh, I missed the rules meeting, perhaps. And... and um, so I put I put the silver bullet plug into the gripper. A silver bullet's a captain's a crush gripper, and there's like a metal plug. So when you squeeze the handles of the gripper together, it squeezes the plug, and then the plug is attached to like a seven or eight pound uh, giant steel plate looking thing. Okay, so you got a steel plate and a butt plug. Go on. <laughs> yes, and you're gripping the butt plug and the plate, and then you hold it out at arm's length, and you squeeze the gripper until the plug falls out. Right. So as your grip gives up, the plug will slide down and fall out. <clears throat> now, now I'm not going to get into a lot of the details of how poorly designed the silver bullet is, but it has a ring on this butt plug in the middle. A pleasure ring. And the Yes, the pleasure ring. And the handles of the gripper cannot be below the pleasure ring. Problem is, the pleasure ring is actually like a quarter inch thick. So... I'm not below the ring, I'm in the ring, which is apparently not a legal thing, but I don't really understand that at the time. So, you know, I'm, I'm holding it for a few seconds and then they say, hey, that's too low on the thing. And then I readjust and I do it again, but I, I still didn't comprehend that you, you had to be above the ring, right? I didn't comprehend that. I thought you just couldn't be below the ring. And I got flagged again, so I got DQ'd. I zeroed the event, and uh, it's actually a very good event for me. Um, I think I would have done very well in that event, um, but it was not not to be. Not not meant to be. So uh, yeah, there's there's a an infamous snafu from John the Viking Mauser. Who was the uh, who was the referee that day? Well, um, <laughs> I think it was uh, Strong Bob Lift Pants Forty Two, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, infamous Instagram uh, judge. You know, uh, Strong Bob was third place in the novice one seventy fives at Eastern Yorkshire's Strongest Chap, and that that was two thousand eleven. Launched his uh, internet coaching career. And since then, he has had a tremendous run of correcting everyone's form online. 
where he has gone to video after video of top pros and let them know that um, that their spine, spines are not in the proper position during deadlifts. And if it, if it wasn't for him doing that, we'd probably have a lot more injuries. I would say that he also has the best result-producing and best-tasting fit tea on the market. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so so big shout to Strong Bob Lift Pants, uh, 82 on Instagram. Um, make, make sure you give him a follow. I, I, I guess I'm going to have to actually make that a page. Yes, if, if you're unaware, Paul Mauser is Strong Bob Lift Pants. He is the strongest chap. <laughs> <laughs> but th- third, third strongest novice division, thank you. East, Eastern Yorkshire's strongest chap. Third strongest chap. Yeah, third strongest. Bronze medalist in Eastern Yorkshire. Uh, anyway, so frame. For the, hang on. For those of y'all keeping track at home, we have now covered uh, nipples, taints, and butt plugs. So uh, that brings us to the Husafel carry. Husafel carry, uh, one of my favorite events, not only to do, but I also love a good max distance carry event. I think it's exciting to watch people try to beat each other's distances. I think it's exciting to watch people as they get exhausted and wear down and their, their strength is fading and they're fighting for every inch and all that. And you can really get the crowd behind them. I think it's really cool stuff. What do you think about Husafel carry as an event? Um, well, it's a classic. It's the quintessential event. It's, you know, it, it's great. Um, and the the men also did a Husafel, right? So there was yeah. some, there was some crossover here. Um, what kind of implement did the the women use? Because I know the the men used like a real uh, stone that was um, like supposed to be a, a pretty close replica to the real Husafel stone. Yeah, the the ladies used the the high temp uh, Husafels that that are they're made of the rubber that the bumper plates are made of. Pretty cool implement because you don't have to put down a bunch of mats. Uh, to do the event, you don't have to put anything down. You can you can drop that on the floor and it's okay. So so pretty cool stuff there. Um, yeah, you know maybe a, maybe an actual stone is is cooler, but regardless, I like the event. I think it's a great event. They did this from a they did it from a pedestal. They they took it from a pedestal instead of taking it from the ground. The men took it from the ground, but the difference is. You had the lightweight and middleweight women up there too, the lightweight and middleweight pros. So the rationale was, okay, if we do this from the ground with a 300 or 310, whatever it was, uh, 300 or, or above fucking Husafel carry, some of these ladies might not get it off the ground and, and, and actually get a run with it. So they wanted to make it heavy, but they also wanted everyone to be able to record a distance. So in this case... I didn't have a problem with them using the pedestal. Normally, I'm a stickler about, okay, you have to take it from the ground because that's the original challenge. That's what the Husafel stone original challenge is, and I feel like there's nothing more functional than picking something up off the ground and carrying it. But in this case, I was okay with it. Now, the pedestal they used to lift the stone, uh, take the stone off of, was that the same pedestal that you normally stand on and preach about how everyone should pick the Husafel stone from the ground? Or was this a separate pedestal? <laughs> it was. It, that, well, yeah, I brought my very own soapbox uh, for them to take the Husafel off of. And I have stood on it and preached quite a few times. Uh, my, audi- my audience continues to get smaller. But I will get a megaphone so I can be louder and more noticeable. 
But great, great event. Uh, saw some uh, some really awesome performance. A couple of surprises. Um, Andrea Thompson, current World Strongest Woman champion, did not do very well on this event. She got 130-some feet on this, and that hurt her in the points because she was in the lead. She was in first place going into this event. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. 310 pounds down. Right. She made it 130 feet. Plus. Plus. And that was a poor performance. Yeah. It was. It was. Um, Olga Lushuk. I, I asked her how to pronounce her last name, and she was very appreciative that I asked. Um, and I'm probably still not quite perfecting it, but Olga Lushuk won this event, and her distance was something in the neighborhood of 286 feet. <clears throat> it was absolutely insane. She has she has crazy strength in the hips and midsection, and that's pretty important for a Husafel carry because if you if your if your hips and your hammies go, I mean they're going to catch fire after so you know after you're a hundred feet deep or so your your hammies and stuff and everything's going to catch fire, and so if anything, you know if anything from your rib cage to the back of your knees uh, gives out, it doesn't matter. If, if your arms give out, right? So you've got to have all that there. So she's got that in spades. But then also, you've got to have... This is one event where you have to have some biceps. You've got, you've got, to, have the, you've got to have that arm strength, that wrist and hand strength has to be there because if your wrist and your hands start to go, you're going to lose your grip on the stone because most of these ladies could not lock their hands on this thing. <clears throat> um lats you got to be able to squeeze with the lats but if you're squeezing with the lats it doesn't matter if the biceps and the and the hands give out right all that squeezing with the lats isn't going to help so olga's best asset here was that she doesn't have any weak links she has she has no weak links in her body so everything was able to last and hold on strong throughout the process this is one of those events that if you have a weak link it's going to find it and it's going to find it quick, and it's going to get really, really, really difficult. <clears throat> so that she double over doubled, doubled at least uh, Andrea's uh, performance. Then. Well, Jesus, don't rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> and Andrea is a great champion. She was in first place going into that event, but she she had a rough event there, and this event did mix up the uh, the standings a bit. Uh, you saw. Uh, you know, competitors like uh, Jessica Theaker from uh, Canada ha- have a good run here. Um, I mean, it just it really it really shook things up a bit in in the standings. Um, Donna, I think I think Donna was in the upper mid pack, um, but you know she didn't she didn't win one. This is the event where really where Olga really started her charge. She was consistent. On the first two events, but winning this Husafel carry, in my opinion, was the turning point for her as the contest went on. And we'll talk about that as we go here. All right. So, yeah, carrying stones. And what was up next? <clears throat> well, let me tell you what was up next. It was 
1955, and we had the Blob. <laughs> this uh, was not to be confused with Son of the Blob. No, no, not Son of the Blob. And, and I, I might be wrong on my years. I, I don't know if it was 55 or not, but I'm going to stick with 55. I'm, sh- I'm sure our listeners will correct us, uh, and someone will let me know. But, uh, yeah, we went back to 1955 for the Blob, and uh, we had the Blob deadlift. <laughs> And uh, this was essentially, like you said, the Ukrainian-style deadlift. It was a T-handle on a loading pin. Similar, you know, think about like a power stairs implement. But it was a deadlift for reps. They stood on uh, they stood on blocks and pulled this thing. It was essentially like a sumo-style deadlift. And, uh, yeah, what was cool, about, visually what was cool about it is when you're standing up on something like that, it really puts you up high front and center, you know? That's why you stand on the pedestal when you, you know, preach about the Husafel stone. Exactly. I want, I, I want to be visible. I want to be visible when I'm up there preaching my bullshit. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what would really set that off, maybe draw a little more attention? A nice set of nipple piercings. A ni- yeah, I, I, think, I think you're right. That would, that would catch some attention. And, uh, you know... I, it was kind of cold in Columbus anyway, so I might have already been drawing some attention, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, that has nothing to do with the blob deadlift. The blob deadlift, uh, pretty cool variation of a deadlift event, you know, different from the standard stuff that we often see. And a lot of a lot of ladies had a chance to shine here. Um, we, we knew somebody like Brooke Souza was going to be strong on this going into it because not only is she a good puller, but she also trains out of a powerlifting gym with Matt Winning, where they do, she actually does train sumo deadlifting here and there. It, it, it's Wait, in what? Yeah, I know, right? Who? What? what? She does a lot of like wide stance squatting and sumo type deadlifting. So we knew she was going to be strong in this. We didn't know what a lot of the other ladies were going to look like uh, on, on this particular event. And uh, again, some of the most magical moments on this were the smaller competitors who were able to grind out and gut out a couple of reps or even a handful of reps. And the people were going nuts for it because it was 375 pounds from like a six-inch deficit. Like it was low. I don't know. I, it, was, it was ankle height. Yeah, it was like just above their ankle. So, you know, you're talking at, le- at least a four-inch deficit, okay? At least a solid four-inch deficit pull here. And 375 pounds... No straps. They were not allowed to use straps. Also, it was a grip event. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, that's fucking brutal, you know? That's tough shit. And we saw, you know, the people appreciated the effort and the strain and the fucking fight it was to bang out these reps by the smaller competitors. And it re- the crowd was, was pretty electric for this. I wish... I wish this wasn't going head-to-head with the Wheel of Pain because I feel like we could have had a few hundred more people over there and it would have been even crazier. Uh, let's see. I think I'm having trouble remembering this here. I don't have the results in front of me, but I think Andrea Thompson won this one with 14 reps. I might be wrong on that. I know Andrea had a ton of reps. She had like 14. Uh, Donna was way up there. I think Donna maybe had 12 or 13. Olga was way up there with like 12 or 13. Maybe she tied. Maybe she, she might have matched Andrea on that one. I can't remember. But she was way up there. Um, just, you know, awesome stuff. And a lot of people say, 
if you're getting double digits, it's not heavy enough. I'm going to disagree with that because if you go back through the annals, yes, I said annals, of like World's Strongest Man, for instance, some of the most awesome performances are on, are on events where guys were getting, you know, uh, even even up to seven, 17 reps. If you re- recall, you know, World's Strongest Man uh, 2007, Sebastian Venta on the, uh, remember the safe press? Mm-hmm. Where they had the apparatus with, that were attached to the giant safes and, uh, you know, pr- pretty cool pressing event. I think Sebastian Venta got, had to do 17 reps to win that. And, you know, th- there's, a, there's a time and a place for everything. I feel like strong man, strong woman, as a sport, you should have a variety. You should have some events that are so heavy that maybe five or six reps wins. Okay. You should have other events where maybe you have to do 12, 13, 14 reps in order to win. Now, once you get into like 20 plus, I think you're getting fucking ridiculous, you know? But... Well, I think it's ridiculous. It depends on... If you have 12 people and nine of them are getting double digits, that's probably a little out of hand. But yeah, at that, at that point, it's out of hand. But if you're, you know, if your top three, top four uh, are getting double digits, then I, th- I think you're still good, you know? Right. Um, so I think it was a pretty appropriate event. If they bring it back next year, the ladies are going to be more prepared. The ladies are going to be more, uh, they're going to understand what they're getting into better, and I think they're going to be stronger at it. So if they do it again next year, I would advocate, go ahead and bump it up to an even 400. No, don't go crazy with it. Don't don't take it to fucking 450. But go ahead, make it 405 even. Give them another 30 pounds or whatever if, if you're going to bring that back the next year. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> we'll change gears a little bit. I think uh, I saw the competitors uh, on on the Instagrams and the Facebooks. Uh, <clears throat> they weren't a lot of them weren't thrilled about this event. I'm not saying they they were like bad mouthing it or anything like that, but there was some obvious concern. Like, hey, this is going to be hard. This is tough. I don't know about this. There was just some question, you know, some kind of mystery to it. Um, I would be interested now to see their opinion of the event because, you know, people had some pretty surprising performances on it and there was a big crowd. And I think, um, you know, if you did okay on it, that'll change your opinion of something pretty quickly, right? Yeah. But then also knowing that they had this big crowd and that was like probably the big draw, the biggest draw, right, for for the uh, women's event maybe, you know, most amount of people watching that particular event. Um, So... I'd be interested to see how what their thoughts are now. So maybe I can get uh, one of them back on, on the podcast and, and maybe bring that up to them. Yeah, any of you pro ladies that are listening, uh, Brooke, Jessica, whoever, whoever might be listening to this, let us know. Let us know your opinion on that uh, blob deadlift since you, since you actually got to do it. Um, stone to shoulder was next, and I would say the stone to shoulder probably had the biggest crowd because it was the final event and the Wheel of Pain was over. By the time we got to that, so a lot of the folks from the Wheel of Pain were able to come over um, and check out the Stone to Shoulder, which again I'm a total geek for. I love the event. 220 pound stone tacky was legal. It was a brand new yeah boo boo. It was a brand new stone. It was sealed. They did put the the sealing agent on the stone, which made the stone incredibly slick. So the you know thus they're like okay we'll let them you know let them use tacky and whatever. Uh, 
Should, should I even go off on a tangent? I think everybody knows how I feel about tacky, but I don't know. <laughs> should I should I even address this, John? The real question is, as far as tacky and stones go. If you say something about Wilkes, I'm going to kick you in the balls. <laughs> so so help so help me, I will shove this microphone up your ass. I have um, suddenly forgot what I was going to say, and uh, <laughs> you may carry on. <laughs> ah, Wilkes averted. So. Um, re- regardless of what you think about tacky on this kind of event and, you know, getting tacky in your fucking eardrum, uh, from a stone to shoulder and whatnot, uh, it was a 220 pound stone, which is heavy as fuck, uh, you know, on, on a stone to shoulder. If this, if this was an over bar event, like over bar for reps or whatever, um, one, I don't think that's as, as exciting. I don't think that's as cool. I don't yeah. think that, I don't think that's as visually stimulating. Um, as seeing somebody dominate a stone by putting it up on their fucking shoulder. Um, but if it was an overbar event, they would have needed a much heavier stone, you know, a, 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 a solid another 50 pounds or something on that fucking stone or more, you know, to bang that out for reps. But for a stone to shoulder event, that changes the game because that final portion, uh, once you get that extension and to actually get it, uh, you know, that final like 12 inches or whatever up up on your shoulder and get it steadied. That's incredibly difficult. If you have not tried shouldering an Atlas stone, you need to try that. And you will find out very quickly that the, that the weight of your stone to shoulder max is significantly less than the weight of your stone over bar max. I will, I will guarantee you that. So anyway, 220, um, some of the ladies did not manage a rep on this and had some real heartbreakers on this, man. Had some reps that were so close. I think it was uh, Farrah Fonseca was one of our uh, our first competitors. She may have gone first. She was one of the lightweights. And she was she was whipping that thing up. And, man, it was she'd fire up out of the hole with it after she got in her lap. And it was just like, oh, my. It, 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 was, it, was, so, uh, it was so thrilling, you know, to watch – to watch her come so close and then and then like miss it, you know. And uh, I think Jessica Thieker had had some similar uh, similar issues there. Hers, I think hers actually got onto her her shoulder and she wasn't able to steady it and dropped it a couple times, like multiple times. This happened. It just shows you how difficult the event is to actually get it on your shoulder and uh, and get that uh, steadied so you can get a down command. So who took this one? Who are who are big performers? I don't know. I was I was thinking about the um, I was thinking about the uh, the Pierce nipples again, John. <laughs> on me, on me. Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. Well, like I said, it's going to draw a lot of attention. Yeah. So in a good way. I don't know if I want any more uh, attention. I need to lay low for a while. Uh, well, you might have to look into a different type of piercing then. Prince Albert. Yep. I mean that. You know. I don't know if I want it in a can, but only only the people you want to know, you know, that you want to know that you have that are going to know that. So I think that's a pretty low key uh, key piercing, and you know, I mean, sometimes you get a heavy keg and you carry it low. It might be able to help out somehow. There might, yeah. there might, or it could end in horrible tragedy. <laughs> um, okay, so back to the stone to shoulder. Uh, this was uh, again. Super, super cool event, and uh, Brooke, I think, knocked out 
I want to say she hit something like four reps on this, maybe five. And uh, that was a huge performance, you know, because, you know, some of the ladies were getting zero, some were getting one, two, whatever. Uh, Sunny Bradley knocked out uh, some reps on this. She uh, came all the way from Germany, which is super cool. Um, and then Andrea, I think, knocked out six or seven reps, seven reps, I think, on this one. And I, I want to say Donna was right there, too. I think uh, Don, Donna got seven-ish. Andrea got six or seven. Uh, they, they were sort of the leaders. Olga um, came out, tied that mark, and locked up the title. And it was pretty cool. We, we, uh, you know, we, we had an idea of the points. When I say we, I mean me as, as the announcer. Uh, I had an idea of the points going in based off the sheets, but you know, I didn't want to say anything super official. But I was pretty sure when she won that, when when, when she like tied for the win there at the at the seven reps, I, I believe it was. Um, I was pretty I was pretty sure based on what I had seen that she had won it. And uh, man, it was freaking wild. People were going bonkers. The crowd was loud. The energy was huge. Absolutely loved it, man. Uh, fantastic way to, to end the contest. Did the award ceremony, and yeah, people were going nuts, man. I think I think uh, a lot of folks, you know, l- largely American audience, right, were in Columbus, Ohio for the Arnold. Uh, you know, probably 90% American audience. But those people went nuts for Olga from the Ukraine. It's pretty incredible how many people will try, travel outside of the United States to go to Ohio for the Arnold. Yeah, pretty wild, pretty wild. You do. <laughs> yeah, you, you, I mean, you, you do, you do have that. But you know, in the <laughs> in that audience, you, you had you had you know mostly mostly Americans, and they were going bonkers for uh, for a Ukrainian athlete who had a tremendous weekend, and it was pretty pretty cool to see that uh, that kind of support for uh, for Olga, who kind of flies under the radar. You know, she's she's one of the very best strong women in the world. Has you know has some pro some pro wins and uh, some significant titles, but she flies under the radar. You know, going into the contest, there weren't many people talking about Olga. You know, as as a real contender, everybody talked about Donna because she was the defending champion. Everybody was talking about uh, Leifa because she was a, a you know former champion, but. Uh, Leifa ended up not doing the contest. She just did the record breakers portion. And everybody was talking about Andrea Thompson because she just came off winning World's Strongest Woman. So those were kind of the ones that people were talking about as who they were picking to win going into the contest. And not a lot of people were mentioning Olga. And she came out and put on a hell of a clinic all weekend. Um, just a phenomenal performance across the board. And now she has, you know, in my opinion the biggest title in, in, in strong woman, the most significant title. Yeah. Um, because <clears throat> yeah, I think, I think I'd agree with that. I think the Arnold's the, for the women, the Arnold's the biggest, uh, it's the big one. Yeah. Yeah. I could agree with that. So we had, uh, Oh, I'm going to try to re- remember my placings here. I believe, Oh God. Um, 
should look that up. But uh, it was uh, Olga in first, uh, Donna in second, and Andrea in third. I, I believe is how that uh, how that panned out. Sunny was in fourth, and Jessica fifth. Brooke was in sixth. Um, and again, I don't have the results right here in front of me, so I'm not going to say the rest because I will probably not get it correct. But uh, ladies, I didn't mention Allison Lockhart. Um, she, she did it, you know, she, she was uh, one of the smaller uh, ladies up there and still did a tremendous job all weekend. Uh, Farrah Fonseca, you know, may, maybe the smallest, probably between her, her and Laura, um, was probably uh, a battle to see who's actually, actually the smallest up there. And John, hold your comments about Wilkes score. Um, <laughs> no, wait, you're talking about Laura Anderson, right? Yeah. Now, um, I heard rumor of something about a broken wrist with her. A broken wrist, really? Yeah. Some I had heard at some point that she was not competing because she had broken her wrist um, do, doing a something with a log in training or something. You know, if she if she had a broken wrist, um, she didn't show it. I'll put it that way. If she had a broken wrist, she's the toughest woman in the fucking world because <laughs> she did all of those events and didn't even flinch. So that, that's something we'll have to. That, that's rumors and speculation at this point. Um, we'll ha, we'll have to check into that uh, and, and see if she did have some sort of uh, pre-existing injury going into that. Um, I I can't I can't imagine doing all of those events if she. At some sort of uh, injury like that, yeah. Do, do it doing an uh, freaking axle clean and press uh, with a broken wrist would be. I mean, isn't that kind of like something from the Nine Layers of Hell? <laughs> like that's, that's some like Dante's Inferno shit. <laughs> that sounds like the Wheel of Pain. <laughs> the Wheel of Pain. Wheel of Pain. Right, well. Hey. Let's cap this off. Uh, I don't think we've talked about the Wheel of Pain enough. <laughs> Can we talk about that some more? Um, had some questions uh, pop up recently. Uh, people asking whether that's a strength event or not. Okay. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say yes, it's a strength event. Is there is there a, an element of endurance? Absolutely there is. There is on a lot of strongman events. Fucking truck pulls and all kinds of shit. Classic strongman events. But just because something has an element of endurance doesn't mean it's not a strength event. And I really wish this fucking mindset would die. Because everything can't be a one rep max. If everything's a one rep max, we might as well be powerlifting or Olympic weightlifting. And y'all see how popular those are, right? Uh, the, I'll, I'll put it this way: you you will never see as hot a crowd at a fucking powerlifting meet or Olympic lifting meet as, as you do at the at the fucking Arnold for strongman. I'll just I'll just let you know that right now. Um, it's strongman is meant to be exciting to watch. Okay, so just because something has an element of endurance doesn't mean you can immediately dismiss it as oh that's not a fucking strength event that's fucking cardio. That's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. Uh, spe speaking from uh, you know somebody who's actually been in an exercise physiology classroom, um, you're talking about 60 seconds of effort, okay? Um, read read a book <laughs> be before you call something. Oh, that's fucking cardio. That's all endurance. And when when you can when you can describe the body's energy systems 
and you can uh, adequ- adequately you know, tell me things about the Krebs cycle and beta oxidation and so on and so forth, then come to me and talk to me about endurance. Until then, don't. <laughs> well, obviously the guy that won that event was the weakest guy there, right? I mean, Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> so uh, you're talking about maximal force produced on every step, right? And, and you know, a lot of people, oh, well, the... It's an adva- it's it's all body weight. It's all body weight, and it's it's just the, the big tall guys that are going to win. And I said, no, Martins is going to win. I called this before the event because I knew, <laughs> and Martins made me look awfully smart. But uh, you're talking about like have these people never pushed a heavy sled? Like that's essentially kind of what this is. I think the answer is. is actually no, Paul. If you go, yeah, probably not. <laughs> if you go to your local gym. And you load up a sled to fucking like 900 pounds or something. You have to put a shit ton of weight on there. But something that requires you to really actually fucking drive to move it at all. That's what we're talking about here, okay? And with the Wheel of Pain, it's even worse because the speed and the distance at which it moves is determined by the amount of force you're able to push into it. That amount of force is determined by your fucking strength that you can produce on every step, okay? So the person who can produce the highest level of force on each step over a period of time is the person who will win. Call me crazy, but that sounds like strength is a pretty big fucking factor. So you're saying the person with the highest VO2 max will probably win the event. Go back to talking about Wilkes. He just pissed me off. (laughs) I'm saying you can take Lance Armstrong himself and put him on the wheel of pain, and he's not going to fucking move it. I'm going to tell you that O.D. Wilson could come back from the grave and beat any endurance athlete on the Wheel of Pain. The real question is, how would Larry Wheels fare on the Wheel of Pain? You know, that's a hard one to... Uh, I, 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 I know you're fucking around here, but I'm going, to, I'm going to try to answer that seriously. So Larry's big thing is he's been a, he's been a gym guy. His whole, his whole career up until very recently, he's been a gym guy, right? He's been a barbell and dumbbell type of guy, right? Well, the Wheel of Pain is a little more similar to real-life, like, real-world situations, okay? Where you may have to fucking push a car. Your car broke down and you got to push it. Even that's not as hard as the Wheel of Pain because the car gathers momentum. But you might have to, dra- you know, if you work on the farm and you got to drag shit around or, you know, whatever. So... For a guy that's a that's a that has gym strength, okay. There's a difference between gym strength and and real real world strength, okay. They're 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 related, but they're not the same, okay. The wheel of pain requires both, and that's why Martins. That's one reason why Martins did really fucking good at it, because Martins makes sure to train in certain ways that gives him that awkward fucking real world type of strength that you don't just get from standard barbell lifts. Barbell lifts are great, but if all you do is deadlift and press, your actual real-life functional strength isn't necessarily going to be that great. As a matter of fact, I would take if if I was if I was out on the job, if I was out on the job site on a fucking oil rig somewhere, and you're like, "Hey, you can have Martins or you can have Eddie Hall." Well, Eddie Hall's got the bigger deadlift. He's uh, his his fans will remind you. Trust me, his fans will let you know he has the greatest deadlift of all time. I'm going to take Martins every fucking time because 
he has a more well-rounded strength. He is strong in different ways. He is able to adapt to more challenges, and that is what I don't know about Larry. I don't know how much manual labor Larry's done in his life. I don't much about I don't know much about him. But what I do know is he's really good at barbell stuff. So if he can get that fucking farm boy strength, if he can get that functional strength, if he can get that real world grab weird shit and move it that isn't supposed to be moved type of strength, then yeah, he's gonna do really fucking good in strongman, and he'd be able to do really good on the wheel of pain. You so heard that, it here, Paul Mauser just said that Larry Wills is the next world's strongest man. That's what we. That was the take home. Larry has an incredible VO2 max, a Wilk score that's untouchable, and he will be your next metrics world strongest man. Okay, so you just put a lot of words into my mouth right there, and I am about to put this knuckle sandwich into yours. <laughs> so I think it's probably appropriate that we end the podcast before shit really goes down. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we'll, we'll end it there. Paul Mauser, thanks for coming. Paul Pantaloon Mauser, thanks for coming out. Um, <clears throat> we're going to uh, hop off here and um, punch each other and talk more about nipples. Nipples and taints. John the Viking Mauser, Paul Mauser, get strong or die.